Welcome to episode 302 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Rock Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me once again wearing his own merchandise. It's Russell John, the oh, Fisherman. Am I going to have to worry about that now? This is a good sweater, too. Or it's a long sleeve. It's the Uff one. It has our Galileo moons on it. It's great design. You look. Patting myself on the back. The defense can build the case all they want to. But the prosecution <laughs> is ready to roll. Yeah. Also, I thought we were because starting- bringing as ex- bringing Exhibit A into the courtroom is Oksana Valerianova Osachi, <laughs> who is wearing the exact same thing you are. Mine is actually a sweater, though. Why are you wearing that? <laughs> did you do that on purpose? No, I put mine on before you did. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. <sighs> we knew this day was coming. I um, When we were just eating breakfast for dinner after we wrapped uh, our great interview that will show up on Thursday. Oh, you have a knife breast? Yeah, I did. Well, I mean, because of the intermittent fasting, I don't eat breakfast anymore. Why? I, because I break my fast later in the evening. Yeah, Not but, but breakfast is so much fun. It's great. And she made a great plate of a mountain of like meat products and potato. <laughs> and God. I when at a certain point we both put down our fork and we both had a linguisa left mm-hmm. and they're in the same position on the plate. <laughs> and it like I was like, well, this is fucking weird. I took a picture of it. Actually, she moved her fork before I could take a picture of it. <laughs> I didn't realize our forks were in the same place. Yes, the linguisa and the fork. It was insane. I have proof now. <laughs> the court would now like to bring in uh, chief okay. pro- expert witness. <laughs> there you go. Randy Michael Statt to assess this strangeness that is happening in this room right now. I'm okay with people wearing their own merchandise. I am not wearing my own merchandise. I am wearing a plain white t-shirt again with a crew neck uh, greenish hoodie over it. And also, Linguisa is fire. Oh, damn. Me and Randy are aligned this week. First of all, (laughs) no one ever debated the fireness (laughs) of Linguisa. I know. I just had to get it out there. I had to get my opinions on Linguisa out there. uh, Linguisa or chorizo? Probably Linguisa. Chorizo. Uh, both? Why do we have to live in a world with only one? You, you, yeah, true. you guys choose soy race. I, oh, I know. It's so lame. Only Trader Joe's, though. Only Trader Joe's. The, I, you don't like the uh, grocery store? Uh, man, um, I can taste test it every time. Called? I have no idea, but I, you can just tell. But the one time I had uh, the Trader Joe's one, I couldn't tell. So I'm like, hey, what, what better way to go? And, you know, I'm... I'm not like anti-meat in any way, but man, linguisa and chorizo, there's a lot of oil that comes off of that. Yeah. And it's that red mm-hmm. devil oil. So it like, I don't know. It doesn't feel pretty. That's that oil that make your pecker peck a punch. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> hey, uh, that's very appropriate because for some reason, the movies I watched this week are all hypersexual. Hell yeah. Oh, if you're in- <laughs> so if you're into that, but... Yeah, I you know I love a um, chorizo and egg like burrito or like wrap of some sure. sort. Man, the trail of like grease that will come out of that—that that bright red blood grease—it's just it's just like love, baby. It goes all the way down to my elbow sometimes. Just like love, baby. And I'm right-handed, so it gets in my rings. <laughs> yeah, just like love, baby. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what what the fu- well what we're recording on Sunday. How was uh, your Christmas, Randy? It's good. I uh, spent it at my sister's place uh, in Boise, Idaho, 
a nice new house she bought a couple months ago. It's got a fully furnished basement, which is basically just like a second story. Um, so I am currently in her boyfriend's music room, which is decked out with instruments and amps and also has soundproofing. So I probably sound better now than I ever have. What kind of instruments do you have in there? A sitar? No sitars. There's like a organ thing and some guitars and a, a bass. penis? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to go for a heart, but yeah. Wow, dude. So you're really living that I'm not in California life right now. Cause what... Yeah, there was also snow for my first Christmas ever, too. Oh, that's adorable. Um, are you the only one that flew out? It. Or do you have more family? No, my parents and my grandma is here, too. I hate it. I hate it. Oh, I mean, I love that uh, you're out there having fun. But I remember during COVID, we talked about how your sister left because she couldn't get any work out here. So yeah. she moved out there. Now she owns a fucking house. Her boyfriend mm-hmm. has a music studio. And you're having a white Christmas. Indeed. But they live in Idaho. I know. True. We're still... We also threw axes earlier today. I was going to say. Randy, that's what you did the last time you were there. <laughs> that's what you do in Idaho. You drink beer and you throw axes. I hate it. And then play music. Did you chop down a tree or what's the tree situation over there? I didn't chop down any trees. No, I'm not about deforestation. What is he, George Washington? Well, I mean, they're throwing axes. What are they throwing them at? Just targets that are made of wood. Drink tokens or whatever the fuck they do. Wooden targets, dude. Like a tree. Did you have a real tree in there? Uh... You know, I don't know. No if she, I, I don't know if her tree is real or not. It's a smaller tree. I didn't think it was real, but it might be. Randy, I guarantee you, if she had a real tree, you would have an a rea- you would have an allergic reaction. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a dry climate over here too. So my nose has been very dry. So I know, dude. Mine's yeah, mine's been wrecked ever since I went home. Got humidity, and now it's just like, ugh, I can't breathe. You're a worldly traveler. Although I do have a humidifier that I stole from my boss, this turtle. That was funny. That was funny during your the- boss is turtle <laughs> yeah. from entourage. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it was, it was good during the white elephant party. Um, he opened, he opened like 50 gifts. I just kept all stealing my, it. Yeah. All my gifts kept getting stolen. Well, I would steal the <laughs> shit from you and then people would take it from me. So I just kept Clark going and he opened a ice cream maker that he thought was an air purifier <laughs> and you got genuinely excited. I think it was the only time. Yeah, and that's I was an ice cream maker, and I got sad. <laughs> You're lactose. Yeah, so I don't want this. <laughs> yeah, I don't... purifiers are tight, too, until you uh, start cooking uh, in the kitchen with gas, then you see how bad your air gets. Oh, really? Wait, what? Yeah. What? You, if you have, like, an air purifier, and you have, like, an app that, like, shows you, like, what the air quality is, and then oh. you start cooking, immediately it gets pretty pretty bad. Damn, I was at my, I was at my parents' house, and they always have a fire going, and uh, I mean, like in a chimney. Like God, we should do that here. Yeah. We have a fucking chimney. We never do it. Anyway, um, this was late into the evening, so people had been drinking, and they I don't know what happened, but smoke was coming in, and everybody was acting like I'm crazy because I took out all the recycling and everything. And when I walked in, I'm like, dude, how the fuck were we in here? And uh, I would, God, I'd be horrified to look at an air purifier thing and see what that was doing. It was thick. Randy, I just assume you walk around in your house with a mask on, so. <laughs> I used to have a Dyson air purifier, but it didn't make the move to Atlanta with me. You didn't bring the Dyson? 
No, I basically moved out there with a trunk full of music gear and some clothes, and then I took one carry-on for the flight to Atlanta. I don't understand this minimalist Buddhist bullshit you do. Sight? You don't got to think as much, you know? All my clothing, actually, in my closet is just the same shirt, Einstein style, (laughs) so you don't have to think about it. They're all of his projects, all the bands he's been in. It's all opinions. Yeah, dude. Fuck, man. There, wow. You know, Ted Bundy moved across the country, too. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, so did Dexter. Materialism, man. That's a thing I've been struggling with. Like uh, the Funko Pops that are behind Clark. Then every time we talk to a guest, you can see a wall of them. They're like uh, a stark reminder of like, what do we what do we need this shit for? There's so many of them. And all I think about is when we move out of here, I got to bring all this shit with me. And then my mom this year got me a giant Michael Myers Funko Pop that I I was just like, what am I going to do with this? Like right when I opened it, I'm like, mom, what were you thinking? And she was like, I didn't know how big it was going to be. I mean, Randy, it's fucking stupid looking. I'll it's downstairs in the theater, but I'll, I'll definitely take a picture for you. It's like a foot tall. Yeah, well, it's just a large lump of plastic. <laughs> Your mom got you that. Mine got me a crock pot. I, Hell yeah. Utility. I'm just saying. Yeah, she also, I mean, she always gets you gifts that she knows you would use. It's always kitchen stuff. I never nah. have I mentioned about a crock pot. She got you a lounge chair, right? Yeah, that chair was cool. Yeah, she gets you shit you'd use. My, um. No, man. I like the crock pot. I'm just saying. How how was your Christmas card? Because you were just at home chilling. I didn't do a thing. I mean, is that that's an ideal Christmas for you, right? I was gonna go, but it was raining. Oh, you were gonna go to the movies. Yeah. That's right. I didn't want to go on the rain. You know, I didn't bring it up to you, but my parents were pushing me to try and get you to come over, and I'm it's, like, he ain't gonna do it. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, I was like, here, I'll <laughs> I'll decline for you. He's not going to. And my dad's like, tell him, tell him I need to, him to get over here and cook this fucking prime rib because he can't. And I'm like, no, reverse psychology is not gonna work on yeah. him. <laughs> To try and trick, he was like, "Tell him he can't cook a fucking prime rib, and that he's got to come over and prove it." <laughs> and I'm like, I, "Oh, also check this out, because my parents were cooking. My mom will play the podcast, which ugh, it kind of makes me cringe, like out loud in the kitchen. Yeah. You got to listen to this with headphones." And uh, my dad heard me ranting about him at the at Uff. so he <laughs> called me, and he was just like, "Oh, I heard you talking shit on the podcast." And I'm like, hey, I didn't say anything that wasn't true. He's like, and then you're like, and then he answered the phone. I'm like, you did fucking answer the phone in a theater. But all he kept saying is, hey, I don't work there anymore. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh, my God. I, Dude. Also, here's another. Th- I was going to talk about it later, but I watched the South Park two-part post-COVID and post-COVID, the return <laughs> of COVID. They're both an hour-long special that are, you know, it's a satire of now. And um, we were watching it. And my parents kept walking in the room. Also, we had a uh, small child there. There's a lot of like foul language in the show. Purpose? Well, yeah. It. Um, my sister's boyfriend's daughter. She was there, and she was kind of like lingering in and out of the room. And uh, man, she would come in at the worst fucking times. It would just be a lot of f bombs and a lot of like just bad language. And my parents kept walking in and out. They're like, "Since when does South Park swear?" And I'm like, what What are you talking about? And I'm like, I remember when the show first came out, I was in middle school and I loved it. And I didn't get any of the jokes, but I wanted my parents to watch it because they were adult children. So I'm like, hey, watch this cartoon. I think you'll like it. And they just kept ignoring me. One day it randomly came on and they watched it and they banned me from watching the show. 
by this point, I already had a bunch of T-shirts and clothing that said South Park because they didn't care. So I reminded them of this. They didn't remember. Then my dad, the last time he came out, was complaining. Now, here's a light spoiler from the show. There's a moment where somebody is elbow deep into somebody's into a dead corpse's butt. They're looking for something in their uh, anal cavity. Sure. And my dad was standing there watching it. He's like, just can't believe they're swearing this much. Like, completely unaware of what the actual visuals were. Yeah, that was my Christmas. There you go. <laughs> Your dad curses all the time. Uh, all the time. All the time. Yeah, I it, I know. There's a level of hypocrisy there. You and your dad call each other pussies. That's not true. That word is not in my vocabulary. <laughs> That's not. I don't know. No, you know, I think if I was going to... What what word would I use if I was going to talk about the female genitalia? Oksana, you, you chime in here. Now, I used to say... What's wrong with pussy? I don't know. Like, also, she got very mad at me for saying it. For pussy? No, I hate, I hate the word puss. Oh, that's what I say. Oh, puss. Yeah. What's, yeah, because it's close it to It sounds puss. gross. Yeah, she, she would get mad. Yeah, you need that soft E. I don't like it, man. I don't. There's the the word's too weird. Like it either means like a kitten or like genitalia. I, I'm not down with that. We got to separate the two words. So I go. Puss. You, sound, you sound like such a pussy right now. It's true. Again, this is very appropriate. All I'm going to be talking about is movies that deal with sex, baby. My man. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Randy's got some lame shit coming up. Right. I always do. <laughs> That's why we start off with you, just to really test our audience and make them earn it. <laughs> All right, let's get rolling. All right. Let's uh, get our... Let me get everything ready. We got to invite our guest in for a holiday edition. Holiday no, not day. really. Well, today's Sunday. Today's not a holiday. There's no post-Christmas uh, it's day. It's called Boxing Day, bitch. Is it? Yeah. By the Canadians? It's, it's British. Oh, it's what? Okay, give me a little history on that. It's day after Christmas. It's called Boxing Day. Like not the thus exhumes my knowledge of boxing. Oh, okay, it's not like a pugilist thing. Like you, you box well, don't each other. Curse at me! What? All right, you're a pugilist. All right, let's the bring Florence in. pugilist. Okay, shut up, Brandy. <laughs> All right, let's start it officially. Good morning. It's December twenty sixth. 2021 and it's a Sunday. Today is day two of weekend projects. Also, we're into Hollywood ho holiday projects. <laughs> and the holiday projects are, I guess, different than weekend projects. It may involve flying or driving, rail travel, cooking, visiting, or it could be that we're having projects similar to our fun train all aboard weekend projects. <laughs> what? Whatever they are, let's try to have fun. Everyone, have a great day. It kind of feels like he says nothing in that segment. There's No, he absolutely says nothing. He, it's, <laughs> it's a 360 degrees of emptiness. I don't, what the hell is he talking about? 
Also, what's up with the train thing? Trains are cool. Yeah, and if you hadn't if you haven't listened to our Dutch Merrick interview, go back. Dutch was uh also, you know, Dutch reached out after and said he had only slept an hour before recording. So he was worried. He's like, dude, I fucked up that interview. And I'm like, dude, you were you were totally pleasant and interesting. What 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 was he doing? It, he was editing, I believe. He might have been working on the new film. Dutch. I guess it was like Yeah. Ride a train and remember to have fun on your holiday weekend projects. And, and rim cycle. You need what three hours, Randy? Is that right to hit rim cycle? I think it's like yeah, something like that. And then I think <laughs> once you hit the first one, I think it's like every ninety minutes after that. It's crazy. Also, do you ever all right, close your eyes? Once you close your eyes, who are you talking to? Everyone. Okay. And then I want you to dart your eyes around inside. Isn't that weird? That was the... Also, I was watching... Randy closed his eyes, and then he immediately put up his middle finger. I'm not sure (laughs) who that was for. Also, everyone did not close her eyes. I didn't. (laughs) You're missing out. Okay. Overlook hour. Show continues. (laughs) Are you okay? What are we doing? We talked about this last time, how when you eat before... At doing anything, you immediately do it worse. I know. I'm reading, I yeah. came up here with a tray of Christmas cookies. Yeah. And cocoa? And hot chocolate. Yeah, Randy, I forgot to tell you before recording, so why, you're uh-huh. not doing anything, I'll just tell you now. When I came in today, I had a minor heart attack, as I, I noticed all the equipment was moved off the table, and for apparently no reason, and I was just standing here, and Clark walked in, I'm like, dude, what the hell happened? He was like, what? I spilled something. <laughs> okay, first of all, I I gave my classic Clark sigh. Oh, okay. And I said I had a spill. Okay. That it was, it was a, it's a solid 14 ounces of water. <laughs> right by the mixer. Now, I mean everything's fine. It looks like you got to it in time and thank God it was water because if it was one of those, I don't know, hornitos or any type of soda, Horny Isn't that what it's called? Or Joritos? We went over this in the interview. Joritos. Right, I can't do that. I can't roll my R. Horny Toes is muy gross tequila. Oh, it's tequila. I just had some tequila 40 minutes ago. What kind? What the hell? Patron? Uh, Drinking Patron in Idaho, dude? What color? It's pretty clear. <laughs> I don't think it had a color. Oh, oh my God. It's probably silver. Yeah, yeah you're in Idaho. <laughs> All right. What, what's happening on this episode of the Overlook Hour? Do you have more? No TBR this week. No, no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no TBR. I ran out of time. It, it Busy week, and I watched a lot of movies, so we'll, we'll bring it back next week. Now, I, I know you, we will bring it back next week, and uh, I know you don't want to read the email. Mm-mm. Do you want to talk about the email? No. I will I will say in the preview Some jabs were thrown uh, We got a spicy Thomas Burke coming at a, He was not happy with you mentioning You're trying to cancel the TBR So there's a tease for next week You'll have to wait a week to hear him uh, See? I'm rant. fucking P.T. Barnum dude. You're killing it P.T. Anderson dude you're P.T.A. P.T. Um, P.D.A. Anderson P.T.A. Barnum P.D.A. P.D. P.D.A. Is that what it display is? of affection. Oh, PDA. God, idiot. What about Randy? PDA Barnum? 
<sighs> I'm already fucking said that. Oh, you fuck. Stolen Valor. Speaking of Stolen Valor, <laughs> you gonna talk about that later? I, I am. I am. Oh, man. Randy, he finally saw Red Rocket. Oh, what the fuck? I heard. I saw the uh, Instagram post. Oh, I forgot I did that. I still haven't seen Liquish Pizza. Good. I'm messing up. I'll go see it later. I might go see it again. Double dipping? Yeah, dude. Okay. I think I saw Phantom Thread at least twice in theaters, too. You saw Phantom Thread like 97 times. You saw it with Johnny Greenwood at midnight. and you kissed I did, him. yeah. Wow. That sounds like a bonus feature. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, you got any other segments up top, babe? No. No news? No, I got extra movies this week. Rick Moranis is safe. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that was a deep callback. That's right. I do want to say, before I throw it to Randy, I do want to say that uh, you know, longtime listeners of our show will remember our friend uh, Pat Hilton, who we used to play a lot on this program. Nobody's going to remember that. He uh, famously, Trump got the Rona. Yeah. We did another deep dive on Pat Hilton the other day. I just don't know. Yeah. Clark, all right. So this weirdo makes music on YouTube. And in his video, he was like, leave a comment with a link to a video that you want me to make a song for. And I was like, dude, let's have him make a song for the podcast. And Clark got very angry at that idea. <laughs> so if you want to go leave a link to the podcast at Pat Hilton, I don't even know what his channel is called. It's probably just Pat Hilton. I don't know. He just, he, his intensity scares me. Yeah. He's weird. No. I thought you were about to say that he's been hanging out in Dallas uh, waiting for the arrival of JFK Jr., who is dead. <laughs> is that a QAnon thing, Randy? I, I don't know what this it is telling yeah. anymore. Oh, my God. Oh, you got to cue us in. Randy, did you get his book? I did not, no. Q wrote a book? No, John F. Kennedy Jr. Oh, okay. He died? I don't know. What's Apparently, happened. yeah. I don't know what's happening. Okay. <laughs> I can't. Apparently, JFK Jr. is supposed to come back from the dead, and then he's going to be Trump's running mate in 2024, even though Trump didn't lose the election. And probably won't run again. Probably. Yeah. But yeah, that's my QAnon corner. All right, fool. You know I what? I mean, they're just cosplaying. What's the problem? It's true. They're just having fun. Honestly, you know, it came up organically, so I'll mention it now. I kind of think that's what Red Rocket's about. QAnon? No, no, just like the um, the weird character of the Trump presidency. And I know yeah. nothing makes me sigh and roll my eyes like somebody. This movie is really about uh, you know politics. That's already boring. Uh, and then politics. Trump, and yeah, politics. And then like Trump. That's even more boring. But I, I kind of think it is what it's about. All right. Well, that's co- what we we'll get there. Tease. Yeah. Before we get to the tease, we're going to get to the other thing. Don't sneeze. <laughs> and that is Randy Michael Stat wearing. Randy, why are you wearing two shirts? That's stupid. Uh, it's a, a shirt and a pullover sweater. You need a. Okay. It's we cold covered over this here. in the beginning. Did we? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Did you smoke before this? A cigarette. There was no weed, no THC, no, no meth. I'm, I'm gummed up. No PCP. Oh, it's gum. That's even worse, man. You're probably hallucinating right now. No, I'm, I'm chilling. Okay, I can tell. <laughs> Speaking of chilling, 
All right, Dalton I was Kirk. chilling the other day, and I decided to watch the the new Paolo Sorrentino film. So you had an extra uh, nineteen hours to spare. It's uh, I don't think it's that long. I actually don't remember feeling like it was terribly long, but um, I feel like all his movies are at minimum four hours long. Yeah, probably like two, a little over two. Um, yeah, so Paolo Sorrentino did The Great Beauty, and then also a movie that Clark and I saw at a film festival, which. The name I'm forgetting. Lauro. Yes. Lauro's. And I liked both of those. Um, he has a new one out on Netflix. I think it came out on like December 1st called The Hand of God. Um, it's set in 1980s Naples uh, in Italy. Uh, and it is essentially about uh, Paolo Sorrentino's life as a teenager. Uh, so the description says, yeah, in Naples in Italy, uh, in the 80s, an Italian uh, awkward teen struggling to find his place uh, experiences heartbreak and liberation after he's inadvertently saved from a freak accident by football legend Diego Maradona. Hell. Um, this isn't my uh, favorite Paolo Sorrentino <laughs> movie, but it does feel kind of like... So he is a very uh, Fellini-esque director, I would say. Like, The Great Beauty feels very much like uh, La Dolce Vita, like kind of a riff on that. Um, and this one kind of feels like his version of Fellini's Amarcord, which is about uh, Big Fellini's life. Yes, that is definitely a uh, a plot subject in both films. Ooh. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's decent. It's not uh, it's not great. I didn't love it too much, but um, I don't know. He I don't know who his cinematographer is, but um. He always has very like beautiful visuals, like very pristine um, images, and you know the architecture and everything in Italy is very beautiful and cool to look at. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just didn't really like connect a lot emotionally for me. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's definitely some like good scenes and some standout scenes, and he, I don't know, he films like quiet scenes in a way that feel very like. I don't know, almost like surreal, but not like in like a lynchy way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. If you're a, a fan of Sorrentino, I would say give it a shot. But if you've never seen a Paolo Sorrentino movie, I would probably start with The Great Beauty. Now we've got his uh, muse in here, right? Who is a 70-year-old man? Yes. I'm forgetting his name too, and I just uh, Tony, lost the webpage. Tony Servillo. Yeah. He's tight. He's good. Yeah, it's a it's, yeah. solid three, three and a half. Uh, Russell, when uh, Randy and I saw um, the aforementioned Lauro at the San Francisco International Film Festival several years ago at the Castro Theater, um, beforehand, of course, we went to our favorite hot dog establishments, which has uh, been... Hell yeah. R.I.P. All the hot dog places are gone, man. It's very sad. It's very, very sad. <laughs> Including the hot dog program at the AMC Theater. We'll talk about that later. Oh. Not really. I don't have any. Okay. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, Lauro, so that uh, Tony Servillo, um, he plays the uh, main character. I think he is the titular Lauro. Isn't that the last name? Isn't that? Uh, no. I believe so, yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know Italian. Mamma mia. Anyway. He looks just like John Taffer in that movie, and it is so distracting. 
Is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He really. Right. He, he looks like a purple John Taffer <laughs> on the does. cover. Also, are there three of those movies? I looked up uh, the the uh, Paolo his his writing credentials, and he's got Loro, Loro one, and Loro two. I don't know. Maybe it was a miniseries in like a different country or something. It's a long movie. I have no. I've never heard this man's name before, so I have no idea. Basically, he was the Trump of Italy. Uh, Loro? Yeah. Okay, I mean, even the filmmaker, Paulo. I don't know him either. Because you're not artistic, dude. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> he did one with Sean Penn, where Sean Penn plays like a goth. He basically looks... Yeah. Oh, know, he weird. did that one? Yeah, uh, This Must Be The Place Yo, is people, the title of that one. People fucking hate that movie. Wait, Sean Penn's a goth? Yeah, looking for his Yeah. Daddy. Oh, okay. If, all right, you hit something that I'd like to watch. You don't know this film? No. I've never He's a former it. rock star, apparently, in the movie. Yeah, that's it. Oh, oh, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah, he looks crazy. Yeah, I'm into that. No, honestly, um, I talked about this, I think, last week or before. Like, uh, I think it was an interview, actually. I don't look for films anymore. I really rely on people or, like, e- either you or Clark, Randy, to pick out something and get onto it. I like, I don't, I don't, where do you guys, I know you guys use uh, iTunes, right? On the, the new films. I also use something called The Streets. <laughs> Same. Well, We're I, out there. Letterboxd is pretty good because if you follow people and you agree with them a lot, or even if you don't, you can see what people are talking about, but I, I haven't been going on there. I have too much anxiety from all the movies I haven't reviewed. I was really into Letterboxd for about five months. That's and a I, long time for you. And I just, it doesn't, nothing. Yeah, I. it's really valuable, honestly. I know. It, it's kind of a bummer, though, because the whole Overlook thing, it was pretty much letterboxed. Like, when I was talking to uh, this IT guy we call Fish, I was talking to him about developing an interface that, you know, we could basically rate movies on one to five, and it would categorize them for us. And I, I had ideas that I thought were great. Where it's like, oh, it could take the average of your reviews and tell you like what you're kind of prone to giving, and I'm, you know, when I finally got on Letterboxd, I'm like, oh, well, fuck, they they've been doing this for years, so yeah, I, I don't. And I, if you pay for that uh, pro subscription, you get rid of the ads and you get more statistics if you're into that. Oh, is that why you all pay for it? Because so many of our friends pay for it. I'm like, what do you get out of it? What do you mean statistics? Like, uh, what is your most watched director? What's your most watched actor? How many four star ratings did you give, or how many did you give this year? Or you can do a bunch of things. I know too much. I, you know, I used to lay in bed. This is, I know, it's going to sound weird, but uh, before I had a word for anxiety, and you know, I never did my homework or studied for high school. I would lay there and think about the next day. One, because I was excited, I like going. But two, I'd also worry about all the teachers who were going to be mad at me. And I would lay there and I would imagine um, dumb shit like a machine. What a fucking loser. <laughs> that could tell me things like, I wonder how many people are wearing hats right now. Like just dumb statistics. And whenever I hear uh, things like Randy's talking about, like, oh, your favorite director based on your clicks. I'm like, God, I was just thinking about the Internet. <laughs> it's like all these dumb analytics that you don't need, but are yeah. kind of fun to look at. Yeah, I man, I love and hate the Internet. And there's, there's some there's some 
titties on there. Oh my god! I, I like how Randy almost got you uh, to watch a Fellini movie, just because he's like, yeah, there's big tits in that one too. I've seen all the Fellinis. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Give me a top ten. Number one. <laughs> La mama me <laughs> yeah i um yeah yeah i gotta get back on letterbox it's a good tool your tool <laughs> right what the hell were we talking about oh the hand of god yeah the hand of god is done but um <laughs> i'll be short on uh on the next one with the family in idaho we went and saw the matrix resurrections directed only by one wachowski sibling sister lana nailed it good job you know i didn't have high expectations going into it i was like eh, it's probably gonna be whatever i don't know does, a- does the matrix mean anything to you brandy oh yeah i love the first matrix okay that was like maybe one of the first uh dvds that my dad bought back in the day Back when DVDs were like $60. I remember. Were they? Yeah. Yeah, they, they were, were very expensive. They were very fucking expensive. I remember because I have a Tool DVD, or I have a Tool VHS because the DVD costs too much money. And it was back in the day when it's like, fuck, should I get the VHS tape or the DVD? I don't remember DVDs being that expensive outside of Suncoast. Dude, my dad bought a Metallica yeah. live concert. Fucking $70 movie. s and no, no. Uh, I think I have it up here. It's kind of, I don't know, it, it feels weird now. The first DVD I ever bought was Frequency. It's a Dennis Quaid, Jim oh Caviezel God. film. So you came late anyway. Yeah, we were late. Yeah. Jim Caviezel's into QAnon now, too. Okay. He's, well, he's Jesus Christ. <laughs> True. Why are you so up to date on QAnon? Uh, I may or may not listen to a podcast oh. called QAnon Anonymous. Oh, boo. <laughs> I remember when they were like plastering that ad all over everything. And it's really, like, it's like, let's get to the heart of the conspiracy. I mean, we've, it's figured out. HBO did it. Were they true? Talking? Now it's just the QAnon update. Did they, they just go deep into, yeah, what's going on? What conspiracy theories? It's not a pro QAnon podcast, but, um, they cover everything in in pretty far depth. If it was pro, it'd be more interesting, I'm sure. <laughs> I always I always thought Q should be back further in the alphabet. <laughs> okay, what is, it's number twenty P Q R S T U V W X Y Z. There's a lot going 27 on. Twenty seven or so, I don't because that number that number is important because it's all that like you know psychotic mind shit, like the number twenty three. No, because yeah. the dates and everything, any any dots you can find, you know, we talk about this yeah, a lot. Yeah, numerology. Yeah. All right. Speaking of numbers, there's a lot of numbers in the code in the Matrix. Oh, God. Oh, thank you. What is it, like pi? No, it's mostly zeros and ones. So I guess there's not a lot of numbers. But yeah, you know, I think if you go into the Matrix Resurrections with mid to low expectations, you're probably going to have fun. I uh, I dug it. There's a lot of stuff shot in San Francisco, a lot of locations really close to my work. Uh, there's a coffee shop that um, Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss are in in multiple scenes, which is actually a uh, place called Joe and the Juice in the financial, financial district. I have walked by there 10,000 times. Yeah, same. So that was kind of cool. And then there's like, uh, <laughs> you could see the... Uh, 
the bank of the Orient, which is like down there too. Yeah. And like the Seven Eleven, which is like right around the corner. So, so we're talking financial district, uh, North Beach. Yeah, there's also a shot of uh, Coppola's restaurant. Oh, we're knocking on Chinatown too. Oh yeah, but yeah, it was fun. Um, I don't know. I got a lot more to say about it. it was, <laughs> I think they they did they did good for uh, you know a sequel that to a movie that uh, a lot of people you know love and care about and i think it was uh they definitely do the very meta like talking about a movie being a sequel in the beginning of the movie so they kind of like address all that and i don't know i always find that kind of fun when people can just like address like hey yeah we're doing this thing it's like 20 years later and it is what it is type of thing randy wino lawrence fishburn i don't know i haven't looked into why he's not in it but um yeah, Carrie on Mouse is in it, and um, Keanu Reeves. I don't think there's anyone else really from Candy the... Candyman. Yeah, Candyman. Candyman's in it? Can- yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> a, he's a new Morpheus. Randy doesn't know. Yeah. Now, Randy, you, you keep saying they, and I'm confused if you're talking about the crew or the director. The director. <laughs> okay. I couldn't tell because you're like, they do the thing where it's like, you know, a sequel 20 years later. I'm like, wait, which they are we talking about? The people behind the movie. So, yeah, Lana Wachowski. Okay. And again, even more confusing because normally uh, they are part of a duo, but they are singular this time. Yeah. What, Indeed. What, Lara? Where's Lara? I don't know. Is that what the other one's name is? Also, the uh, Coens split up this year, too, and we only got a uh, single Cohen brother doing a film. Okay. <laughs> Apparently, I think uh, Ethan's going into writing, possibly. Okay. Writing? Like horses? A novel. Oh, boo. Following Tarantino? Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. You could have a you could have a whole bookshelf of novels that you buy and are excited Dude, about. Ethan <laughs> Cohen and Tarantino could come up with something sick. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have a book of novels that I bought and I haven't ever read. You say a book of novels? A bookshelf of novels. <laughs> what about a bookshelf of navels? Pass. What is he, Ed Gein? <laughs> All right. Now, Randy, I feel like you didn't do a very good job of selling me on The Matrix, dude. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of up in the air. I kind of don't give a shit. Can I just uh, fire it up on the old HBO or is this a theatrical? I mean, it looks good. I would see it in a theater, but I don't know. If you don't really care too much about The Matrix, I would just watch it at home. Well, here's the thing. So they're uh, very visual storytellers. And, you know, yeah. with like Terry Gilliam, even in his later age movies, as the stories get kind of boring and, I don't know, kind of like preachy in an uninspired way, they always look interesting. Is The Matrix uh-huh. at least that? Or are we doing more of like a Marvel big action kind of I don't know. Boy. I think it still definitely looks cool. Like there's um I don't know, a lot of interesting camera work, like especially in the the beginning to kind of like get you, you know, kind of sucked into the the story and the movie. Um I was going to make another point then I already forgot it, but yeah, it looks good. Well, I would see it in a theater. Now, you know, the Matrix has uh changed the um what do they call it? The intellectual dark web yeah. with uh, yeah. the fucking assortment of pills that everybody likes to refer to, especially mm-hmm. if you're like a Michael Malice fan or something. It's always a white pill, a black pill, a red pill, a red blue pill. pill. Yeah. So do they do they poke fun at that at all? Like, I would love to see like the introduction of more colors to their medicine cabinet. 
They don't, no. I would say that they don't really... I feel like they could have um, probably, like, gone deeper into, like, the red pill, blue pill thing, considering how, like, big of a thing it is now. Right. But um, they don't really... I would say that they very much simplify the story, and it's kind of just about Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves. Yeah. It's still good, but, yeah, it feels... uh, doesn't feel as intellectual as like the first one. I don't really remember two and three much at all. I need to watch those again eventually. Do the albino dreadlock twins come back? No. No, I'm out. Yeah. And someone different plays Mr. Anderson. Oh, Hugo Weaving? Or whatever his name is, yeah. Why not Hugo Weaving? I can't believe you could pull his name. Mr. Anderson. Yeah, I mean, he's great. And that Dragon Ball fight they have at the end of three is iconic, but I could never... Pull that dude's name. Also, how dare they recast him? Well, I guess no, because he'd be older, and that would be a little There's, weird. like, a reason for it. They kind of, like, talk about the reason for that and other things in the movie that are different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Now, Clark, um, which one are you going to start up with? I'm going to start off with the surprise. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's Christmas time. Uh-oh. <laughs> and it's a Yuletide gift. Oh, man, this is going to feel like heavy the lifting, I can tell. The <laughs> long-awaited review. We've talked about this film. We've teased this film. You have lambasted this film. I have. You've made fun of the film. You had no intention of ever seeing this film. Licorice? <sighs> but I knew there was something special in this film. And by God, was I right. Venom. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I saw Venom. The first one or? Carnage. Paint the town red, Carnage time. Yeah. Let me tell you something right now. The credits start at an hour and 24 minutes into this movie. This is a short wow. film. How ca- No one can poo-poo this. Okay? I don't know, dude. Less than a 90-minute runtime, dude. Have you seen the poster and looked at Woody Harrelson on it? <laughs> this <laughs> movie's <hell>. fun. <laughs> I mean, it better be. This movie is ridiculous, and I had a blast. I watched it at 11 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Because cool. <laughs> I got a lot of things going on in my life. PM or AM? PM, baby. All right. You got any hot takes or anything about it? Or? It's fun. Okay. I like... Um, we can leave it there. Yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> I just remember the first one you were like, you were you were crushing hard on Tom Hardy. And then... Uh, I like Tom Hardy. Yeah. But then I feel like the Venom movie was what kind of threw you off. Yeah, but then when I, I when I saw the trailer for this thing, what two years ago it seems like now all the time they played um, a lot. And they played it a lot, and one time I watched it when I was uh I was a little oh my little god high. like now, and I'm like this is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely looked like a uh, you know God again. There's like this vaudevillian. They've got bits together. Oh yeah. And and I hate that the symbiote talks. That's the only thing I can't like. But, hey, oh. Yeah, but I know, and it's so ridiculous. It's Little Shop of Horrors. I know, except, but I like it. Yeah, it I, works for me. Honestly, if fucking Eddie Brock was Rick Moranis, then uh, I'd be in. 
He could do. Let me tell you something. Tom Hardy could do a Rick Moranis impression. He's a great actor. Are you still a, are you still hard for Hardy? I'm not really into that sort of type anymore. I don't need a beefcake. He he doesn't strike me as beefcake anymore. Back when he was doing like Refn movies, yeah. I was like, oh, this guy, he's gonna save the action film. But now I'm kind of like, eh, he's, he's getting older now. Yeah, he lost me after that uh, twin movie. Oh, you didn't see the twin movie? No. He is great in the twin movie. The twin movie. What is, is it called? Legend. <laughs> What's it called? Legend. We have two two producers here. It's called for the third time. Oh, it Legend. Is, it is called Legend for the fourth time. Legend with uh, Tim Curry. Yes, with Tim Curry and uh, and Warwick Davis and Tom Cruise and, and Tom Cruise. No, but it is called Legend. Yeah, it's a terrible name. I still don't believe you. Oh, it is God. It is called Legend. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Unreal. I have to double check sometimes because I just couldn't believe that. I thought it was called like the Duncan Twins or something. I don't know. The Duncan <laughs> Twins? Yeah, dude, it's a better no, name about, than Legend. Well, no, it's about a donut startup. Oh, twins started that chain? That's right. <laughs> Siamese Twins. See, you went a step too far. <laughs> You're right there on the edge. Uh, the Icarus whole time. with that bit, dude. Yesterday. Netflix released a motion picture, a long-awaited picture from Adam McKay. This is called Don't Look Up. What's it about? It's about a comet coming to Earth. It's going to destroy the planet. So let's make a satire out of it with Leonardo DiCaprio, the hilarious Leonardo (laughs) DiCaprio. And uh, what's her name? Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. <laughs> Nothing. Here's the thing. I I I, I mm-hmm. Adam McKay. I appreciate Adam McKay, and I like what he did with the Big Short. I actually revisited the Big Short, and it kind of went down a notch for me. Watching it again, I just got very tired of it already. The gimmick. Did you ever watch the Big Short? No. Sounds like cool guy shit just by the time. I appreciated it, but it was too gimmicky. This thing, as I told Randy pre-show, um, this reminded me of the Alexander Payne film Downsizing, to where we have a concept and we have a lot of money and we're going for it and it's just swings and misses. Now, having said that, there are more hits in this than there were in Downsizing. Downsizing was a failure on all accounts uh, for me. It just, boy, did it not work at all. This does work to a certain extent. It's just way too long. Oh, no. I think it's two hours, and I think it's close to two and a half hours long. Okay, like Greenland. This is a satire, though. This is a com- This is far too long. Um, But... Man, some very strange choices uh, that really pay off. Like Mark Rylance's character is one of my favorite characters that I've seen this year. And I love Mark Rylance, and I think he's a severely underrated actor. Uh, I know he was uh, nominated, or did he win for Bridge of Spies? I think he may have won for Bridge of Spies. And I know three people watched Bridge of Spies, and they're all above 95 <laughs> years old. So I don't know who was watched that film, although I do think that it was written by the Coen brothers. 
Doesn't matter. Anyway, Mark Rylance is great. DiCaprio's good. There's there's good stuff in. I will tell you this, man. And I have defended him. And I I do think he is a talented actor. But Jonah Hill is fucking terrible in this. Yeah. Because he's Jonah Hill. He's playing himself. Oh, yeah, I couldn't do that. And it's essentially... Uh, Meryl Streep is also terrible in this because her character's terrible. She's basically a female Trump. Oh, yeah. They make her a female Trump, and then he is her child, but he is like her chief of staff. Okay. And the whole thing is just, you know, ridiculous. But I will say that, like, so essentially, Leonardo DiCaprio plays... um, Dr. Randall Mindy. Yes, thank you so much. Um, who is a professor of astrology at Michigan State University. And Jennifer Lawrence plays... Um, Kate Dibodowski. Thank you so much. Who is a doctoral candidate at in his program. A what? Do- oh, okay. Do- yes. The only thing I've seen about this movie is uh, Chad, who runs the Scary Thoughts Instagram, made a post about Jennifer Lawrence in this movie and her being one of the most interesting characters of the year. She's got a mullet. Yeah, she's like goth too, yeah. or a hacker or some yeah. shit. Okay. <laughs> and she makes out with Chalamet. Oh, right. Behind a fast food restaurant. She discovers a comet and everybody starts freaking out and they celebrate. And then Leo, Leo does the math and he's like, everyone get out. Uh, good night. We're going to bed early. But Jennifer Lawrence, you stay. And he discovers that it's headed towards the earth mm-hmm. and they keep doing it. And they keep doing the math. And they've got six months. And so they tell their seniority, their seniority tells blah, 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 and they get word to the government. And then they get a sit down with the president. So they get flown to D.C. and then they get uh, bumped. They sit there for a day. And then finally they give them, okay, you got 20 minutes. And then they don't really take them seriously. And then a significant amount of time goes by and they're like, okay, actually, yeah, we're fucked. Okay. And <laughs> so so then, every comet movie ever. So then they start yeah. doing stuff. And they send Ron Perlman into space. I won't go into Ron Perlman's character. That is just ridiculous. Yeah, but in a good way or bad? He is a... Because um, last week... He's a white supremacist Randy Quaid from oh, Independence Day. God. Yeah. So boring. Yep. Agreed. And they send him into space and they're going to blow up the thing. Uh, but right when that happens, Mark Rylance's character comes in, and Mark Rylance plays um, a tech billionaire who's the richest man on the earth, and he is in, in the president. He has the president in his pocket, mm-hmm. and uh, he basically tells the president to call off the mission. So they they get the rockets out of there, and they divert, and they don't blow up the asteroid because Mark Rylance's uh, team has discovered that there is. Uh, $137 trillion worth of materials and diamonds on this uh, comet. <laughs> so they're going to destroy the comet, break it up into little pieces, take the hit, and then mine that. And so then it comes into, uh, of course, it comes political of like, we're not for the comet. For, we're for the comet for bringing in all these jobs and then all this <laughs> stuff. And it turns into that. And like, that's interesting. Yeah, that is kind of funny. Um, And then, of course, you know, the thing happens the way it happens. Did people start worshiping the comet when they well, learned then it, it was... Then it turns into, 
hashtag don't look up because then there were comment deniers. Oh, and then they see God. the comment. Now you lied to us. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and then they have like concerts. Um, what's the, what's the pop star who's in this? Ariana, Ariana Grande. Grande. Yeah. Ariana Grande writes an original song about it. Oh, I love it. Um, there's some good stuff in here, but man, it's just, it's too long. Yeah, I get it. I mean, okay, well, what is the end message? And it, the tonal, tonally, it's a mess. So is this another movie? Is this another like, hey, we hate Trump, and even though we could stop talking about him now, we choose to make a two and a half hour movie about him? Or is this a movie about like, hey, we're all being really fucking stupid, and we need to stop being hyper-polarized? Both. Oh, yeah, fuck that. The thing I liked about the COVID, post-COVID South Park, is at the end of it, they're like, hey, you know what? COVID happened, and there's a time travel element to this uh, long episode, and they're supposed to go back and like prevent it. And they're like, you can't prevent it. In the multi-dimension, it happens every time. And they're like, what we could have prevented is the way we acted. And they're like, we were all scared, and we all treated each other really shittily. And they're like, hey, man, you can have weird ideas, but we shouldn't be ugly to each other. And I was like, wow, that was a pretty like I was kind of moved by a two hour long foray into South Park. Yeah. And I'm like, why can't anything else do that? Like, you have to be like, hey, fuck Republicans all the time. And I'm like, dude, when you keep like pushing this hate all the time, it's like it kind of becomes your reality. Yeah, well, people are hacks, man. Fucking tired of it. I'm you know? so bored with it. People are fucking hacks. All they do is fucking watch Yellowstone and, <laughs> you know. Well, if you want to make a movie about a comet that they discover a bunch of diamonds on and do some weak anti-capitalism thing, hey, if as long as it's interesting, I'm down for that. You start worshiping the comet because you're out of work. Like, that's so fucking dumb. Yeah, yeah. But that's there, interesting. Yeah, there's interesting things here, but ultimately... <laughs> I will say though that it does tie they they make a they make a joke that you know you have no idea how they're gonna tie it together, but they finally do. And uh because essentially, um again, Meryl Streep's character is a nothing and she plays, you know, the president and she's talking with Mark Rylance's character again, who is a tech billionaire and has all the money and power in the world, and she's like, Well, how do you you know how I'm going to die? He's like, yes, we know how you're going to He speaks in this very <laughs> high pitch. We know exactly like how you're going to die. Like a eunuch or something? Yes, yeah. 100%. Oh, rad. He's cool, man. Um, and she's like, oh, well, you actually die by uh, a prestiosaurus. Oh. And she's like, what? She's like, we actually don't know what it is. <laughs> and then, you know, then post credit sequence, we find out. Okay. So I got to tune in for two and a half hours. You want me to, to tell the... you? You want me to spoil no. this movie right now, dude? I... No, don't tell me. With Randy's permission. All right, Randy, what do you think? I don't care. <laughs> also, you Spoilers know... for the movie in five, four... It's a dinosaur. Three. Right? It's got to COVID? One. So the comet hits the earth. Everyone dies. Oh, rad. They do have a ship with 2,000 people. Um, it's Noah's the Ark. richest people in the world, mm -hmm. and uh, the ship escapes the planet. It orbits the Earth for twenty-two thousand years. Okay, twenty-two thousand years later, it lands back on the planet where it's green again, 
and they they land. Everyone gets out of their little sleeping pods. Oh, forty eight percent of the crew, uh, the crew uh, died. died. Yeah, they got everyone's naked, and they land there, and it's like this lush jungle, very CG, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, Meryl Streep's character walks in there and like there's this fucking dinosaur that mm. eats her. That's it? Yeah. And then it's like, no, she goes up, she says, What is this beautiful animal? And and then it starts eating her eating her head. And then it, the guy goes, I believe it's a prestio. Oh my God. And there you go. Oh, I regret that. <laughs> Fuck that. They stole like a bit from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I won't be watching that. No, I just told you the best part of the film. Also, when you mentioned Don't Look Up, I instantly thought Don't Look Now. And I'm like, oh, weird. That was a holiday movie? Do you know Don't Look Now? Don't Look Now. You do, right? The, the little rain jacket kid? I know Randy knows oh, it is. Criterion. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, with Donald Sutherland. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't Look Now is great. Oh, you want to talk about sex? Baby. There's, there's some fucking in that movie. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. I got enough of that coming up. Donald Sutherland's slinging that. He. All right. How do you want to do the next film? Do you want to? Do you want to lead into it? Okay, but, Jeffrey Epstein. Well, hold on. Do you want to do the short first? Not <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> all right. Well, you do the short. Okay. You want me doing it? Okay. We did a. Uh, all right, Oxon. I'm gonna need you to jump in here with her name. So go ahead and get that ready. You just look it up. I'll stall for you. Okay. Um, right, fire up your Eastern Block power. So earlier today, we uh, recorded an interview that, again, that you'll hear on Thursday. But after we had a big window because Randy had to leave to do family stuff. So in that time, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch a bunch of movies and do, you know, what I haven't been able to all week. And Clark had mentioned to me that he watched a um, film that Madeline had mentioned, RIP, when she was visiting... Uh, for like the white elephant party in her birthday, and um, it was a film the the scary on six uh, the scary of sixty first. Yeah, I could not get that fucking title right. For By the, the way, I didn't hear Madeline talk about this when she was here because I don't fucking talk to Madeline. Well, she kind of mentioned it to me in passing, I'm and I kidding. only knew of it Love because I'm a fan of um the Red Scare podcast, and I had heard Dasha talking about it. So I thought, hey, let's do a Dasha double feature. And I had heard a long time ago that John Milius, his daughter, Amanda Milius, had made a short film that she was in that was a post-apocalyptic Western that uh, starred a lesbian couple. And I was like, all right, let's do that. And the thing with um, Amanda Milius, so John Milius, he wrote Conan. Um, I respect the man. Uh, some great films under he his directed belt. Conan. Did he? Okay, so written and directed. And, uh, you know, I love all that stuff with Robert E. Howard and how they, they tried to get um, Frazetta to come in. And I love it. The thing is, nowadays, uh, the people we hate, like I rant about all the time, because they have an anti-bully policy. And when you pick on people, I instantly jump to their side. So he was a Republican. So people do not like him now. Uh, his daughter, Amanda Milius, she's made two movies. By the way, John Milius is still with us. Oh, yeah, I thought he died. He's still with us. Okay, this just in. He's he's still alive. Now, his daughter, she's made two films as she, uh, I guess, is going to follow in the footsteps of her father. She made one uh, that we're about to talk about, The Lotus Gun, and uh, another one called uh, 
the conspiracy against our president or something, which is like a pro Trump documentary that like makes me cringe to my soul. So it's like, Oh, well I'd like to see her work or like what this would even look like, because who knows if she's going to do anything else. I'm, I'm not keeping up with her very closely, but uh, yeah. So we did a Oksana, you ready? Mm-hmm. I'm going to need her last name. Uh, we did a, you want to just say her name? Dasha Nikrasova. Say that last name again. Nikrasova. Yeah, I can't do that. It's another rolling of the R. That's why I can only speak English. Nikrasova. Oh, you can do it. You're like a little parrot over there. I'm very talented. Yeah, so we did a Dasha double feature, and uh, I threw on the Lotus Gun, which is available on YouTube under a PBS-like channel. And, um, I mean, I uh, I mentioned it earlier. Oh, here, I'll read their synopsis. In this post-apocalyptic Western, two things are rare in the year 2077. Guns and women. Um, that's all I'm going to read. Also, 2077 is the year of cyberpunk, the video game I started playing again. <laughs> and every time somebody comes over, they make fun of me for it. So go ahead. I'll pause as you, you make fun of me for playing cyberpunk. Anyway. Right. <laughs> cyberpunk sucks. Dude, yeah, dude it's tight. I, I'm watching you play it. Randy, <laughs> it, is, it is the worst game I have ever seen in my life. Again, I always credit you, Clark, with the best description where you're like, this is like a serious GTA. Yeah, which is 0% fun. And I understand, you know, when you put it that way, I understand why you wouldn't like it. But again, I... I'm. I don't. I, I wanted to say love it, but I don't know if I do. I will play the hell out of this game and beat it. Randy, instead of shooting people, he puts like viruses in their brain, and then they go. <laughs> yeah, I hack them, dude. That's kind of fun, dude. It's tight. It's Yo. the future, dude. It's 2077. While I'm over here wrecking people's uh, Neuralink, uh, you know, these lesbians are out in the wilderness, just like surviving, dude. Uh, actually, in this film, they looked like they had a pretty easy life, honestly. They had a cool like little desert ranch going, and everything was fine until Mike showed up one night. Fucking Mike. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the Red Scare podcast, but uh, Anna and Dasha have a kind of, like, tone. They take, they go, they've got a, um, what, I want to say Yarl. What is that? Vocal fry. They have a vocal fry, and they're kind of, like, sassy, and they're kind of, like, edgelords a little bit. But, uh... It kind of bleeds into this film, and I'm not sure how much of that was Amanda or like just like improv, but I liked it. I thought visually it was very striking. The cinematography was beautiful. Um, it's a 25-minute short. Uh, the last act, it gets very genre, which I wasn't expecting. And, um, you know, without talking about it too much, I would say this would pair – this would play well before The Nightingale, which I think is another interesting kind of um, – female lead western film with that i love and i do i just realized we don't own that on blu-ray i really want to own that movie yeah i don't know did you have anything you wanted to say about it it was very nice yeah you enjoyed it but it's there's not really a lot to talk about i would say uh watch it if any i there's not a lot of post-apocalyptic here other than a kind of i don't know there's an expression of like modern fashion and uh you get kind of like archetypes or like you can read a character based on how they're dressed. And it's kind of just honestly, the um, Western look of the two uh, lead females was really good. Yeah. I hate it when people do like a fake painted on dirt and yeah. you're just like, they haven't been in the dirt for a fucking minute. 
These ones, their fingers, fingernails, every the cuticles were black. I loved it. I love it. Get dirty if you're going to be in the dirt. Heard it here first. Heard it here first. Also, beautiful gun in the movie. Light spoiler. But again, that played uh, before. Barrel we, we jumped into the <laughs> into the uh, feature that uh, Dasha had directed and is co-stars in. Um, yeah, the scary of sixty first. Now, this film, um, I hadn't hadn't popped on my radar at all. If Madeline hadn't mentioned it, and then if you hadn't have said that you watched it, I don't know. I probably would have forgot about it. Yeah. But uh, thank you for for watching. I really fucking enjoyed this one. Yeah. Um, what turned you on to it, Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah, that's fair. Where I mean, like, where did it pop on your radar? Tim Dillon or something? No iTunes, uh, new movies? Or... No, I have Google alerts for Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> so that's how I was tuned into this, man. All right. Mark well, and I are on the streets, dude. We're hearing word about new movies all the time. Yeah. Exactly. No, think about this, dude. The cute blonde girl from Succession wrote and directed a movie about Jeffrey Epstein's haunted apartment. Why am I not going to watch that? Yeah, I know. It's great. And, you know... I know you're uh, you're you're kind of making light of the Jeffrey Epstein thing, but I've just mentioning his name in that movie made the movie feel completely different from anything I had seen. Like it's kind of like uh, they're aware of the reality we're in. Because I mean, the shit that I listen to all day, like it will come up, or we joke about Epstein all the time. But I would be shocked if it had just appeared in a movie I was watching. Like if I didn't know this film was about that, I would have been floored when that plot started revealing itself and i i'm sorry if we ruined that for anybody but i honestly i don't know if i would have watched the movie if i didn't know that uh dasha had written and directed or if epstein was you know the central idea the ghost here also a lot of prince andrew a lot of prince andrew he's got a big part in this movie man i randy you mentioned you were gonna watch it yeah how do you think it's going to play for Randy? Ooh, Randy, buckle up. I'm excited for it. Um, I started following her on Instagram after I saw Eugene's film Wobble Palace, which she's in. Yeah. She's, she's so I've known about it for a Eugene's. while. Yeah, Kotli Yurenko. Kotli Yurenko. Yes, thank you. I could not uh, think of it or pronounce it, I'm sure. <laughs> um, she was also on a uh, film podcast that I listened to on the way out here, and she was just talking about how much she loves Woody Allen movies. Oh boy. Yeah. You know, her film, l- let me put it this way. Uh, I believe a couple of days ago, me and Clark were talking about how much we hate New York. Now, if you <laughs> if you live in New York, it's nothing against you. It's just, you know, yeah, it is. Fuck when you too. You think about like the realities we build for ourselves and like urban living versus rural. I've never lived rurally. So I kind of romanticize it. I realize that, but also the idea of like living on top of each other for us for sprawling miles in all directions. I, I mean, I've been to New York one time and I felt kind of trapped. I remember that. I remember the brutally chilling winds. It's open air suffocation. Uh, Ooh, Randy, write that down. I I remember that the pizza was not, all that it's cracked up to be. Oh, shit. He went to Sabaro, too, son. Dude, I went to, like, four <laughs> pizza places, and I was just like, this is going to be it. And I'm, like, eating it. I'm like, 
what the fuck? Like this is all. What what was it? Was it a dollar slice or how much did you? I have no idea. I feel like we did a bunch of different shit. Like it was just literally, we'd be walking anywhere and it's like, Oh, pizza. Let's try one. Did you get a hot dog? I didn't do a hot dog. What the fuck? We were only there for like, like part of a day. Um, that's plenty of, you can get three (laughs) hot dogs. How how much pizza and hot dogs can I eat in one day? Uh, Uh, That sounds like a great challenge. All right, Randy, well, where's a good pizza place in New York? What are we doing uh, I don't right know. now? I haven't been there in a while. I don't really know any by name. Okay, and Randy's the one that loves New York. I was just going to say artichoke basils because that's the first that came to mind, but they're also franchised in California, so that's a hack answer. Okay, Whoa, good. Dude. No. Dude, dude, they ship in the fucking water <laughs> from fucking Brooklyn. <laughs> No, I don't think they do. So what I was building to here is that films that are celebratory of New York, they kind of are talking past me. It doesn't really work for me. This film, man, I fucking loved it. I was getting I was getting like Rosemary Baby vibe. Like, uh, like, again, I always talk about the apartment trilogy and just dealing with like architecture and being in it and relationships with people living there. And this kind of hit all those notes. But on top of that, it's like a satire of my favorite type of film, which is me against the world, kind of like They Live or Scanners, where you uncover that the world is like rigged against you. And this is kind of like flipping that on its head in a way that uh, is like looking in a mirror and I can only like laugh at it. Like just the conspiracy world. There's a girl who she's kind of like spiraling in her own life because she she's a little needy and her relationships are not fulfilling and her roommate instead of being a good friend is getting into the epstein conspiracy and even though dude one of my favorite things about this movie is when they move into the apartment like right in the very beginning the weird architecture yeah i love that kind of shit so there's an issue where um the two girls are going to be roommates now to get to one of the bedrooms you have to walk through another bedroom and the, the landlord was like, well, here's the thing. There's another door in that other bedroom that leads out into the hallway. So you can leave your room. Oh, and the, the shared door has a lock on each side, kind of like a conjoined uh, hotel room. And, uh, you know, there's an exterior door, but you have to leave that to go around into the front door to, like, get to the kitchen or something. And for me, man, all the ideas that came to me, like, where are we going from here? Because that's such a, like... Also, that just shows you how shitty New York is. Yeah, I kind of love that shit, This though. is the layout of the apartment. Yeah, well, you can tell that it probably wasn't by design. Like, the blueprints didn't have it that way, but... Was that better for raping? <laughs> yeah, Epstein had that, that door added. Yeah. He's like, this is our back door in an apartment. Oh, boy. I don't know. there, are, Dude, Randy, there are a lot of themes and a lot of interesting ideas going on here. And the tone is kind of like the innkeepers, where it's kind of mm-hmm. like it, the only thing that makes the innkeepers not a great um, reference point is that this movie is colorful, like almost like a giallo or like Italian horror is, except they're painting with light. It looks more like House of the Devil. Yeah, it does. And now that I think about it, House of the Devil is kind of painting with light, not just doing a, oh, we have a red light here. How artsy are we? I don't know how much Ty West uh, inspiration she's gotten. but Well, Ty West, you know, me and Clark, we were talking about it. And she does kind of fall into that, like, like the new hipster 
is somebody who has a lot of money. They're clearly motivated to perform well in like an art, except they kind of are constantly pulling their own rug out from under them. Like, like to succeed would be uh, becoming the villain or like you'd be you know, like, there's something disingenuous about just being like successful. So yeah, you can't tell out, dude. Yeah. Right. But it's, I don't know. It's something like where you constantly are making jokes about yourself or you're like what we do where we're constantly um, self-deprecating. I'm self-defecating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. And Clark sat there and watched it with me again. So for the most part, I had some sick ass pizza come in during the moment. <laughs> what did you think of the film? It's cool, man. Epstein was a bad guy. Um, there is a moment where uh, we get like a little bit of screen life action. Yeah. And we get some drone footage of Epstein Island. And, uh, you know, there, the two girls are sitting there kind of like pouring over this visual. And it was... <laughs> It was like, man, is that how I look? Like, if I'm like, oh shit, and you know, they're they're stopping, like, look, statue of an owl. And I'm like, damn it, this is so lame, but it's so like cool. Also, subject matter I've never seen in a movie, like the kind of conversations they're having. Uh, man, I they mentioned PizzaGate. They did, but they did it in a way where it's kind of like, yeah. Oh, if you like this, you should hear about PizzaGate, and yeah. it's like, oh, that hurt. But I'm aware of it. I don't know, man. Conspiracies are cool. I I really liked it. <laughs> well, they're cool as like a distraction, and especially if you're not trying to deal with your real life. It's like everything is controlled by a group of people who are evil, and they're out to ruin my life. I mean, yeah, yeah right? I know. So it's like instead of dealing with my roommate who's having a mental breakdown in the next room, I'm going to figure out who killed Epstein. Oh, favorite moment of that movie. Is when um, Dasha's character is trying to prove how you couldn't kill yourself with the asphyxiation. And like, dude, it's such a, you know, honestly, Thursday, we talk about the sand, which is a premise that is so ridiculous, yet it's played straight. But it's also self-aware. Yeah. We're doing it here, too. It's a ridiculous fucking premise, and it's great. And honestly visually fuck dude the movie the movie looks beautiful you're saying child rape is a ridiculous premise russell <laughs> fisher is that what you're saying uh when portrayed like it is in this film it is they, i mean it is a very heavy subject that they you know we don't take it very uh again a lot of prince andrew <laughs> a lot of dude it's great all the memorabilia the prince andrew memorabilia dude so much Randy, when you watch it, uh, you, you got to talk about it because I'm very curious what you think. I don't do a retread. By the way, this is not getting good reviews. Of course not. If it, if it, what critic out there that just like fucking loves any sort of virtue signaling is going to enjoy that film? Uh, and it, again, it's this to me feels like a true indie modern. Where it's like, you know, indie films are usually kind of like edgy or they're pushing yeah. boundaries, but nobody's pushing like the real boundaries. Just like fucking going for it, man. Making fun of fucking Epstein. It's yeah. like, dude, do it. Like, fuck it. Yeah, it's great. Dude, I, I, I heard I heard Armand White loved it. Really? No, I just made it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> God damn it, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Clark, we were, that was supposed to be our like crossover thing. 
And I feel like I took it. I mean, sometimes I lose the handle in a crossover, you know what I mean? All right. Basketball reference. I enjoyed that. So, yeah, I highly recommend you do that double feature. Also, The Scary of 61st, available only on YouTube, iTunes, and fucking, what's the other one? Voodoo. 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 What the hell's going on there? And then it opens up with a fucking shutter stinger. Yeah. And I'm like, what, Shutter, you're too scared to put it on your fucking platform? Yeah, I don't know what happened there. But what am I paying for? Like, I love Shutter. I would have loved that movie on Shutter. But again, I I know. They shuttered. Horror fans, if any of them listen to this show, I know the culture's a little woke and they're very defensive. And I don't think they would handle this movie well. And oh, Oksana noticed they, they had shown this at the Roxy on 35. Yeah. Really? It's also coming to the plaza in Atlanta on 35, no, but not until like February. Okay, we'll fly out and watch it with you. Type. Do it. Yeah, Randy will not let us come over. What if Randy had an apartment like in that movie? He had a weird mirror on the ceiling. He had molded ham with a dead rat in this. <laughs> Dude, how repulsion was that? Like the rabbit carcass? Dude, ah, I don't know. I really like this movie. Also, architecture like sex. Fingering a doorbell. Oh yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot to chew on here. Also, a holiday movie. It's a it Christmas is, it movie. Is a holiday movie. Uh, this is gonna enter our yearly rotation. Actually, Oxen, what did you think about this? I know we didn't have any time to talk about it. Um, I thought it looked amazing. It was I enjoyed all the sequences of them like, you know, digging deeper into the conspiracy theories and stuff. I don't know. I enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. I'm uh I'm not joking. It's going to be on the regular holiday rotation. It's okay. an it, it, again, you know, cuz holiday movies, they heighten the human element and empathy. And this movie is completely lack the Dude, I love how the relationship develops and then when the characters reflect on it. They're like I don't even know your name. And as an audience member, I was like, "Wait, I don't I don't know their name either." She has no name. Yeah. No, it's, it's I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I um, she wasn't real. Dude, you gotta ruin every fucking movie. What is real? They were a fight club in it. Um, Bob has bitch tits. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> or, dude, I saw a meme. It was a sixth um, sense meme, and they're like, "If you think your life's bad, this guy learned that he's been dead and showing up to work every day." And I was like, "Yeah, I, I appreciate that one." <laughs> All right, you got like six more movies. I got like six about. more. All right, it's my turn. Play, uh, cue the music. Um. So, after we recorded last time, Jasadi shot over here. He was calling me the whole time. Again, he's our East Coast cinematographer friend. And uh, East Bay. East, yeah, East Bay. Thank you, Randy. Did you say East Coast? Yeah, I did. Um, he shot over here, and we ended up watching a movie that after uh, our weekend bromance with Jorge Torres Torres, he shot us a link to Hillbilly Wolf, which is a... Um, so, when we were at Dimples, and we were all drinking, I... Um, Jorge was telling uh, Jasadi about um, Errol Morris. And I was like, God damn it. How did I miss this conversation? But it was so loud in there. It's a karaoke bar that I, I was trying to get in there. I couldn't. I missed too much of it. How many times has Errol Morris been talked about in a karaoke bar? Right? Like in Japan town. But that's how you know you're with the right people. So then after, I was like, Jasadi, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, he's telling me about Errol Morris. And I was like, dude. Did you know that Errol Morris's first movie was playing and in the theater he went, dude, that's what we were talking about. And I'm like, I just I heard him, but I kept going. And I'm like, Harmony Corinne and Werner. And he's like, no, dude, I heard it already. Stop. And I was like, all right, fine. I uh, 
I made out with a lesbian one time who went to middle school with Errol Morris's son. Is that a made-up story? That's 100%. Can you confirm she's a lesbian? True story. Or was she a lesbian only after making out with me? I turned her, <laughs> dude. Now, let me explain something to you. Lesbians fucking love me, dude. Well, you put a lot of effort into your Rosie O'Donnell look. Correct. So, so it's really I'm, paying off. I'm non-threatening. <laughs> I have soft features. <laughs> Everything works, dude. Um, that's a good story. Thank you so much. Um, so again, we, we got onto Hillbilly Wolf because Jasadi was just like, dude, when you were filming Toad Road, you guys were like getting down there. Like you're hanging out. He literally Jasadi said, what did that building smell like? And if you've seen Toad Road, I, you would understand that question. But Jorge was like, oh, okay. So if you're interested in like gummo filmmaking, like kind of like dirty locations kind of like gritty shoots he's like i recommend you check out um uh hillbilly wolf and he emailed us a link like right there um so it, it was uh produced by jorge and he did some of the shots but uh jason banker also shot it and produced it with him it was directed by bradford willingham um i'm not sure what happened in this movie bradford I, bradford yeah not bradford oh okay <laughs> Hey, also, while we're yeah, on that... Yeah, I'm not going to let while, that happen again. While we're on that, last week, I kept talking about... um, What was I saying? Isaac? Isaac. I was saying Isaac Rodriguez, because I was uh, loving this uh, new... Well, it's not really new. This prolific found footage director. And uh, Clark just... He powered these... Uh, Clark just ignored me, basically. And I kept saying Isaac. And then after, the next day, you're like, dude, were you saying Isaac over and over? He's like, dude, it's Isaiah. Or I, what are Isaac! <laughs> Isaac! Jesus Christ. Do you know how exhausting it is? Like, constantly monitoring everything you say? Because 95% of it is fucking wrong? Well, that's probably why you tuned <laughs> out four years ago. I know! It's, I'm so tired. And I was like, why don't you... Also, we do have two producers on here, live, that yeah. could have jumped in there. You two fucks step it up. My mic is usually off, and also I started second-guessing. Maybe it was Isaiah. Isaiah? No, you know... <laughs> You know, as part of being a host, you got to kind of come off confident, which is not my strong suit. So I just do it. And then I say shit like Bradford. Bradford. <laughs> God damn. Also, it is a product of reading shit and like not knowing it truly, like in my heart and mind. But uh, yeah, so Hillbilly Wolf, inspired by an episode of Cops, Hillbilly Wolf follows Dennis, a social... A, a societal misfit, holy boy, who lives in a small town in the Bible Belt region of North Louisiana. Troubled by unemployment, poverty, and the death of his dog, Dennis copes with his anguish by believing in the salvation of the hereafter. Uh, I highly recommend both Clark and Randy watch this movie. It's got the tone of Gummo with a central character that is uh, just as interesting and puzzling. And... Um, so he's he's a big dude, uh, our lead, and he lives with the girl who I think is smoking meth all the time. Cool. And they live in a rundown. Um, well, they're they're broke, so they don't even have electricity. And it's kind of this like weird struggle of um this this character who who's clearly got mental issues, but is also like the man of the house and needs to provide for his from all I can tell, perfectly normal girlfriend who has a daughter there 
And um, the way that he ends up doing it is actually, you know what? It kind of works with Red Rocket pretty well because we get like a small town connection kind of thing. And uh, a theme of the movie is looking for a job. And man, it's gritty. And the cinematography is exactly what you would expect from Jorge and Jason. It's beautiful to look at, and um, it's very brisk. the The movie runtime is an hour ten, so uh, also it's for free. Uh, the only way I can see that you can watch it is on uh, Jorge's Vimeo, which, if you just look up um, "Hillbilly Wolf," you'll find it, and you can just watch it for free on Vimeo. Uh, watch that one. I'm not. I'm not going to talk too much about it. Uh, what else do I got? I got. Uh, oh, all I got left is Red Rocket. Which um yum red rocket yum no we we have a fucking stinger for it oh it's the Randy retread it's a Randy retread and a Clark retread as you've both seen it we gotta do it again uh, no I'm not playing it twice okay. two people don't need to die for that um well fuck that was a uh, Lynch on his way back to L.A. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> Alzheimer's, uh, it's a terrible thing. <sighs> Red Rocket. We went late Christmas night. I believe we caught a 1020 screening at uh, our local mall. Uh, there were uh, We bought tickets hours in advance, and there were already some sold. So we're like, all right, we're going to be in a small theater with a couple people. Fine. Showed up. Uh, the other people did not. So we actually had a theater to ourselves. It was very cool. It was me, Oksana, Terrell, and his boyfriend. Um, I had forgotten that the film was over two hours long. And when you add that, <laughs> when you combine that with the half hour of trailers that the fucking mall never forgets to add, this actually became kind of a daunting screening. Thankfully, I took a powerful edible before, and I just was on board the whole time simon rex is one of my favorite um kind of like modern character i don't i don't want to call him an actor because i really enjoy his music career graduate of alameda high school yeah he's a local dude um all of the kind of like lowbrow stuff he's been a part of whether it's three loco or uh you know haunted house five i'm a fan i like the dude and i think he's talented scary movie fun. yeah it's scary movie no i think it was called well, I, I confused movie. that. Haunted scary. House is a different thing. was in Scary thing. Movie 3. And 5, wasn't he? I don't know. I didn't look this up. Anyway, I when I heard he paired with uh, Sean Baker, I was very excited. And I knew he would treat him right. I did not know that this was going to be a hyper-focused character piece on him. And again, my... Uh, my walk away of this mostly like meandering film of a, a Texas boy returning home after having a career of porn in California. I, I couldn't help, but again, I hate to say it, but it felt like a analog for like the Trump presidency or not the presidency, but the, the um, run up when he was running against Hillary. And the only reason I made that connection was because at two points in the movie, uh, our characters are watching Trump on TV, which again, um, we're below the poverty line in Texas here. 
So that could have just been a statement in its own. But Sean Baker's so thoughtful. And this wasn't like a tangerine project where he was kind of looking for the film and found people he thought was interesting and crafted the movie after. I believe he wrote this in advance and, you know, is a more like thoughtful kind of a uh, what the hell is it called? The Miami? Yeah, because apparently he, Florida project. He met um, the lead actress in this. Uh, uh, Strawberry? Yeah. Who's great, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, she's going to be a star. Susanna Sun. Um, he met her like two years before uh, they started shooting. And he just said, uh, I'm going to call you. <laughs> At some point. And two years later, it came into fruition. Yeah. So how old is she really? She's like early 20s. Okay. Yeah, I thought so. I... I... <laughs> So now I know you guys kind of mentioned that you liked it and like kind of, I mean, we're at the end of the episode here. I I feel like we have an opportunity to get into it more. I don't know if, if you guys like really thought critically about this film in any way or like what was your walk away? Because it's a two and a half hour movie that's kind of just about a dude interacting with people. Yeah. Well, he, he's also a shitty dude. How? Oh, how uh, come? Uh, well, he like manipulates everybody. Yeah. No, he's he, charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. But he's shitty. See, now Terrell had a similar like sentiment when we were leaving, and I, I, I understood, but I disagree. And I think the film is interesting in comparison to Trump because it's, uh, it's a very nuanced thing that happened. Like you, like the movie kind of runs parallel with it in a great way. Because if you think of all the characters that, um, Simon Rex interacts with, or, uh, what was his Mikey, Mikey Saber? Yeah. Yeah. When he interacts with people, they all kind of represent a group that, um, I guess you could say maybe idolized or supported Trump. Like his neighbor is an interesting one. Because his neighbor's just kind of like a nice guy who oh. is kind of a pushover. He's what was oh man, what's that guy's name? Oh, I don't I don't remember. Um Lonnie. Yeah, and he's kind of a pushover and he's kind of quirky, and he's definitely the type of dude that you could see um shooting up a school or something. Like he I mean, just visually. He had the look. Yeah. And you know, he shows up one day in like military fatigues, and he's like, What the fuck? I didn't know you served. And he's like, oh, yeah. And you can tell, like, the dude didn't expect to even answer a question like that. And, uh, you know, you, you find out one of the, one of me and Clark's favorite things to uh, look on YouTube previously was stolen Valor videos. Yeah. Now, he just gets straight up like, dude, how accurate was that, like, interaction? Every stolen Valor video we watch just kind of goes that way. Well, because I... Again, we know how Sean Baker works, right? He works with real people. Yeah. Who's to say? Oh, that it didn't really happen? Who's to say? That's fair. Because those dudes who were grilling him, they kind of felt like real. Yeah. Like they're throwing out like... Also, this guy's not an actor. This is a that's, guy. That's fair. Yeah. You know? Uh, Lexi, his uh, wife in the film, not an actor. Lord knows that mom is an actor. Now, so here's the thing. That guy, I, I, you can make the argument that um, he represents kind of like the fringe or like um, maybe like uh, libertarian militia people or kind of like the racist community that did like support Trump. And, um, you know, you kind of encapsulate it in that where uh, you guys both say that he manipulates people, right? Yeah. I think uh, my disagreement here is that I don't think it's manipulation. I think... 
that um, Mikey is authentic. I think he's shifty, though, and he doesn't. I think he's just selfish. So I think when he yeah, makes, when which he, is shitty. Well, it's shitty, but I don't think he like if when you say manipulating, I think of like a pimp. Or somebody who's like, hey, I'm going to offer you a life and then I'm going to control you. How is he not a pimp? Well, because I don't think his intention was cruel in the beginning. I think, you know... Um, it's not about that. It's about execution. Well, I think... And it's it, the same. I, I would disagree. I think intent is important. Because that is what would separate somebody from being immoral and moral. Because, mm. I mean, like, you can do terrible things with good intentions, you know, the road to hell is paved. That's part of it. But at the end of the day, when the fucking milk is spilt, the milk, the milk is spilled. Well, the thing the thing here... It don't matter how you knock the cup Well, over. look at it this way. So his ultimate downfall... Again, spoiler territory now. If you haven't watched it, you don't, you don't need to hear us ramble on about it. Or maybe if you weren't going to watch it, you could hear. Because this movie has the kind of Hitchcockian, we start where we end thing going. Like, we open this movie with Backstreet... Or in sync. Yeah, Terrell was like, "Oh, Backstreet Boys," and then we were all looking at him, and he was like, "Oh, fuck, it was in sync." He's like, "I got that wrong, I know," and he was very upset God, about the it. The world's worst. Sorry to, <laughs> so, sorry to out you like that, Terrell. God, we're gayer than he is. But um, one, love the love the song playing over that with Simon Rex like riding on a train and just like walking through industrial land. It was and, a bus. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Okay. You. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> These are the details that are most important. Now, here's the thing. When he shows up, he's covered in bruises and he's got no money and he has nowhere to turn because he's entered back into a terrible relationship. And we don't know why. We don't know why. Yeah. And, you know, by the end of the film, you figure it out. And what I'm going to say is the problem here is that at the end of the film, he's decided that uh, Strawberry is going to be his key back into working in porn again. Who's 17. Who's 17, which is... Again, uh, this is a good guy from Russell's perspective. Well, is it, what is the age of uh, consent in Texas? 17. There you go. And again, okay. Blue Trail's mind. He was like, oh my gosh, she's underage. I'm like, dude, in different states, it's different. Yeah. Also, I know y'all worship Europe over here. You know what their age is, right? Like It's like it's six months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you could uh, sleep with somebody who could legally be aborted over there. Yeah, why do you think Roman Polanski has been over there for years? <laughs> no, here's yeah, Prince Harry, dude. Anyway, um, so he's, he's like, this is going to be my ticket back. And uh, you I mean, mean Prince Andrew, Prince Andrew, Jesus Christ, I, you know, the thing See, like, now that I'm finally paying attention to you, it's every three minutes. Good. I mean, this is uh, <laughs> exhausting. I don't I don't know the royal family very well. I'm sorry. If you want to talk about horror subgenres, I'll, I'm, I promise you I'll get those right. Um, yeah. So, you know, he he's about to leave uh, the lady that we learn, um, you know, in the first end of the first act is his wife legally although they've been estranged and the relationship has come back together and he even told her mom hey i'm staying here for the long haul now when he realized now at that time i think it's important to think about did he really mean that and i think he did i think he was kind of like i don't know but i think he thought life had kind of you know chewed him up and spit him out this time and he was like i could do it yeah but then he immediately started looking for a way out well he was definitely going to cheat but again, he's a porn guy, and so is Lexi. She came out of porn, yeah. and she's been doing Craigslist like 
she's been turning tricks. So they're not like monogamous and at doing this point. crack with her mother. Exactly, which he gives them shit about. So he's not doing drugs. And, you know, here's the he's thing. selling drugs. At the end of the movie, I, again. Now, that's even an interesting thing because that's business. And he tried to get a job. And nobody would hire him because of who he is. So then he, you know, takes a shadier route, which I think, you know, could be a ma- argument made against Trump, too. And, you know, ultimately that ends up coming to bite him, too. But the thing that I think is most important is that he tells his wife, hey, I'm leaving tomorrow. And he's he didn't have to tell her. Yeah, he could have went to bed and just bailed. But he also great acting by Simon Rex. I was getting anxious watching him anxiously try and walk through this conversation that he had thought about, which is completely out of character for Mikey, who is constantly on. Every time he interacts with somebody, he's got a fucking silver tongue. Yeah. And he's great. No matter who he's talking to, he always connects with them. And except for the uh, drug lord's daughter, who has like a no bullshit radar. Yeah. And she's just like, Get the fuck away from me. And it's it's one of those things where I don't know if Mikey's aware that but he... See, it, it, it was working with her. Well, she she played in for a little bit, right? Yeah, yep. It, it, where immediately, you know, she's very guarded, and she caught him from the get-go, but then she started to have a conversation with him, and they were talking, and as soon as he started getting dirty... Animated, yeah. Yeah, about, you know, the porn industry... That was it. And she shut him down. But remember, when he first starts talking to uh, the people who will supply him with the drugs, first thing they say, how much you want to bet he smokes that shit? And she's like, yeah, that's why I give him some Reggie garbage. Yeah. And he didn't. Yeah. And I'm like, I think that's the important thing is that people see this dude and they're like, he's a manipulative, shifty motherfucker. I don't trust you. But the thing is, he's really not. He's authentic and he means what he says. He's just very short-sighted and completely selfish. So while he was talking to that girl at the fucking donut hole, which um, Terrell kept mentioning uh, donut time. And he's yeah. like, what's the thing with Sean, Sean Baker and donuts? By the way, that donut place isn't a donut place anymore. Oh, donut hole? Yeah. No, in uh, Tangerine. Oh, I hate hearing that. Yeah, it's something else now. We, oh, no, it's a Trejo's Tacos. Really? Yep. I hate that even more. Yep. No, the thing was, we almost went there last time we went to Monster Palooza, which was probably like fucking three years ago. And we're like, dude, should we go to like donut time and like just do the location shot thing? And we're like, yeah, we'll be down here again. Well, fuck. To Trey host home. No, but yeah, I know. I think at the end of that movie, it really comes down to the reason his shit didn't work and he got beat up was because he isn't a bad guy. And he really did tell her, like, hey, I'm leaving. This isn't working. And to be fair, he had good reason. By At that point, that relationship had turned... Um, it was There were boundary issues because sex was like... I don't know. They weren't exclusive. And uh, she started beginning, like, clingy. But I, I really only think it was because he was paying the rent. Just like in the very beginning of the movie, they won't even let him on the property until he gives them 20 bucks. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, can you really call him, like, bad? Like, he's not, like, a bad dude. Yeah, he is a bad dude. And they're bad bitches. <laughs> it's all bad people. Well, they're not bad bitches. They look kind of rough, honestly. They're Americans. Well, honestly, I think the family, Lexi and her mom, were more like uh, the political system. And how they kind of negotiated oh, with Trump. God. I mean, I could go deep into this. Don't. I thought about it for a long time. Don't. Even Let's... who Strawberry represents. And like, dude, it was great. 
I, I really enjoyed that movie. Also, a lot of fucking in this film. A lot of fucking. Also, a lot of fucking in uh, the scary on of 61st Street, too. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who had the better nude Again, show? a lot of Prince Andrew. Not oh, movie. I like that. And also, you know, Sean Baker, what a great director. And he... He really knows how to pace things and how to frame shit. Oh, such good framing I in just, that movie. I love, I love that he uses non-actors mixed in with actors. Oh, yeah. It works for me. Well, you know, he knows how to get that verisimilitude going. All right. <laughs> no. put, a, put a dollar in the jar, please. No, I... Uh, man. Okay, well, here. Okay, so uh, I think an argument for him being... how? What did you think about him lying about where he lived to Strawberry? Again... She's 17. He's 40. Duh. So you thought it was just like in case she called the police or something? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was legal, though. You know, so again, separation of church and state. I think he was trying. So it's the side piece. You don't take the side piece to the fucking home beehive, dude. Well, I, I think he knew that he would have nowhere else to go and he didn't want to make them mad, which Again, uh, he shouldn't be in that position in the first place. But I don't know if that would make him a bad person. Again, that relationship is so fucked. He would give them money and they would go buy drugs with it. I don't know. I just, I loved. You know what was my favorite part? And in retro, this is creepy of me saying this, but I think my favorite part is his pursuit of Strawberry. And I mean that from the beginning mm-hmm. to where he, when he goes and then he makes eye contact and, and then you can just see that like he, he's just, he has a singular focus. No, no, did and you, then he goes, he takes the bike, he goes back, he's waiting until everyone yeah. goes asleep and he tries to catch her at closing and then they're closed and then he goes back first thing in the morning and he's just waiting on her and he comes back another day and, and then it gets busy and he's like, when does it slow down? Yeah. She's around three o'clock. I'll be back at three o'clock. Yep. Yeah. And it's just like, what is he up to? Well, he's driven. Yeah. Like everything in that movie, he's constantly making moves. And I mean, even, you know, he told them he would help out around the house. He does. Like, that's why I'm like, it's not like he's lying to people in the way of like, I'll promise you shit and not deliver. Because when they're like, you haven't paid rent. He's like, oh, I can't. Babe, Sorry. Babe. It's the scorpion and the frog. <laughs> It's a tale as old as time. But he will sting you. He will sting himself. It is the scorpion and the frog. Thus concludes episode 302. No, 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 because you can't end it there because I don't think that that works well because the, the scorpion, the frog, the frog gets nothing out of that deal. But everybody else he was hooking up with did. A uh, loner creep of a stolen valor got a friend, which is really all he wanted. His dad he got to him. prison. Well, that's, yeah. that's because he was a loyal friend, which was his fault. Again, the scorpion. <laughs> he got prison because of him. No, yeah, he knew that he could ever. use him no. and lie about him being involved. Yeah. I think I think that's just more the good quality of the stolen valor guy. And also, the stolen valor guy. There is not a single wrinkle in his brain <laughs> he is just a pudding brain idiot and it's like yeah man you were never with me man that sounds cool man well i mean you have to think about it every relationship there's a give and a take and those car rides you could tell that was the highlight of that dude's life how strange of a 
B story was that though? Dude, the whole movie is made up of that. Yeah. And it's each one was fascinating. I loved it. Well, also Simon Rex, every conversation with every person was completely kind of like different by a half degree. Like he almost had a different person. Like he was totally honest with that dude. And like, why? Like, really? Like, he would tell him everything. He told him about strawberry. He told him all this shit. And he'd be like, hey, but don't tell Alexi. Yeah. He worked out with them. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you're just a fucking open book with this dude. Don't get me wrong. I love Red Rockets. It's, it's going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. I just... It didn't have that Sean Baker heart that I wanted. See, I think it did. It's just, it's a lot harder to uncover. You really no, it's there. Yeah. No, no, I mean it's there. But I just mean, you know, there was I felt as as again, the beauty of the Florida Project was it's a depressing movie. Yeah, yeah. But the way he packages it again that that fantasy sequence at the end, he just he gives you a little something. Yeah, well, you do love children, and not in a Red Rocket way. Or an Epstein's ghost way. Thank you so much. But you, I mean, you're just, you light up with kids. It's very beautiful. Um, the thing is, you know, Florida Project is a film about people in a community and how it affects them. Where this film is a movie about a community that's affected by a person. He comes in there and affects every aspect from the strip club to the hard hat workers to the donut shop yeah. to the drug culture. And he's infectious, and the problem is that everybody loves him. They're just like, hey, we're, we're happy you're yeah. here. He's infectious because he is an infection. <laughs> and I don't think he gives a shit about anybody there no. in that town. I think his, uh, it, he wants to, yeah, leave. I don't, I don't believe that he actually is there for the long haul. No, no. no. He just uses. You, so I, I think what happened was he was in the porn industry. He had like erection erectile dysfunction yeah. figured he was too old so he moved back home and is like settling with his estranged wife because he's like well i guess my my career is done all his like car rides with that guy he's just bragging he's yeah kind of maniac i don't know why you have such a charitable opinion <laughs> of him uh yeah then he like finds this girl who's like actually flirting back or whatever and he figures like oh maybe and like he doesn't need to use a, a blue chew with her or whatever that one of the times, right? Uh, it the wife. I no. I think it was the wife. They said that, like, and because her answer to that was, "Oh, I didn't know you were on those." Yeah, so he finds a girl that, like, you know, he can get it up with or whatever, because she's younger and like prettier than his wife or whatever, and then decides to abandon everything he like no. came home to. I don't. I don't think he uh, because he was in porn. I don't think they reflect on sex that way at all. I think it means nothing to him. And uh, Clark's favorite element in this movie is like the predator prey, the cat and mouse game he plays with that girl. Yeah. I don't think it's like an Epstein predator and prey. I think it's like she's going to make me money. No, for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I'm not, I, I, I'm not saying that at all. So, okay, here. Well, since we're kind of like just going all in, what did you make of the ending? So he's lost everything. He's beat up again. And he kind of limps to the the appointment he made with this girl. The snake eats its tail. Well, what do you think happens? Because the door opens and she emerges in kind of like a dreamlike. Like, at no point in this movie did I ever even consider, like, what we were making fun of earlier, like the fight club effect, where yeah. the imagery was lying. But when she comes out there and it's like a bright light behind her, and I was like, oh, maybe... 
Maybe parts of the movie were a lie. Randy, did you see Nightmare Alley yet? No. It's Nightmare Alley. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that's what I meant with the Hitchcock thing. Yeah. Where it's we start where we begin. Yeah. Except that situation is also different. By the way, I listened to uh, Guillermo del Toro, Mark Maron, which is great, by the way. Oh, that and I would listen to that. He talks a lot about the visual storytelling that he did in Nightmare Alley. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, look, man, I tell you in the whole movie that it's, it's – that he's like, I give you clues the entire movie that we're going to end where we're going to end. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He says, because it's all about circles. There are circles that, that yeah. opens with the Ferris wheel. There are circles here. Everything is circles. Well, at no point, I mean, that movie opens with a murder and our protagonist committed it. And you know that the whole time, but you're still rooting for him. And honestly, I I think that's a good comparison because I don't feel that way with Simon. He didn't open with a murder. He opened getting beat up. So it's just that because he didn't have the chance to out cardio them. Yeah, I well, I think, you know, if to bring it back to the lame like Trump thing, I think at the end of the day, the policies helped a lot of people, but he didn't do it to help people. He did it to help himself and like his own image. And I think that's what Simon Rex was doing the whole movie, too. And then when he saw that, you know, there's more to it, he couldn't back off of it. And all the connections he made, he severed all of them. Look, I'm not saying that 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 yeah, that that Mikey's not a deep character. Mikey's a wonderfully complicated character, but at the end of the day, yeah. he's the fucking scorpion. No, I think Nightmare Alley, that's a bad dude. It's, I think Mikey, he's a complicated, misunderstood but he's, dude. It's go- he's going, Russell, listen to me, yeah. <laughs> he's going to fuck it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. He's going to fucking ruin it. I just, I don't think he had malice in his heart. It doesn't matter <laughs> if you have malice in your heart. I would agree with that, too. Except I still disagree overall. Because he's selfish, man. All right. Now, if you watched Red Rocket, you need to weigh in and pick me or Clark. Uh, email, <laughs> female bag at... Actually, I don't even think that's the right mail now, address. It's a three against <laughs> one. And Oksana is passing away in the corner. I know. Here, let me turn off her mic so they don't have to hear it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How fucking caring are you? Hey, you know... Are you Okay. Do you need some water? I, I've medicated her up. Here you go. The other thing. <clears throat> oh, no, no. You're going to come back on here to argue with me? His wife got crazy because he got distant, not because she's clingy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh. Well, again, I only think she cared because he was bringing money in, though. Yeah. Because she clearly did not until that changed. And with the mom. Also, what, what, what was it, What was the, the mom watching that she was waking him up with every day? I don't remember. Yeah, because they were playing it, but I'm like, I, I feel like I should know that reference. Watch it every day. Also, was this a period piece? Like, were we in the 90s here? Oh, no. It was 2016. 2016, 2016. yeah, duh, because Trump was running. Yeah. I, I actually went through that three times in my head when we left. I'm like, was that a period? I'm like, no, duh. They had Trump on fucking TV. Yeah, I don't know. I liked it. All right. Red Rocket. How many stars? Oh, I don't know. Three. Four, four and a half, maybe? Four and a half. Florida Project, that's a five. That's a five. But that's kind of like easier too. Like, of course you're going to root for the the poor little girl. Like this one, and I don't know. I don't know if you want to get behind Simon Rex. Clearly I'm the only one in the room that did. <laughs> but uh, again, I don't know. I I like these kind of conversations about it. Did we miss anybody? I feel like there were a lot of uh, connections he made. And I, By the way, I um, when I was at the... I, 
I took an Instagram story that I went to go see Red Rocket. Yeah. And uh, I have one of my uh, old comedian friends. Um, he replied and he said, dude, that one scene. And, and I, I, ne- I never replied back to him. And for the life of me, I don't know what scene he's talking about. Well, when you said your favorite part of the movie, I instantly thought when um, Simon Rex was running naked. Yeah. And they were kind of doing that film language thing where it's like, oh, his dick's out, but we're not going to show it. No. And then he pans down, like literally just to be like, well, here you go. I thought you were going to say that moment. I mean. It spoke to me as a Clark moment. It's a nice penis in motion. Well, it's also just a good punchline for like visual storytelling. It's like, you know, the audience is thinking that. And then. Of course. Also. I got goosebumps when they were playing NSYNC backwards. I love that kind of like music theory, like kind of like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like regression, kind of like starting from the beginning. I don't know. Also, I, Strawberry had the voice of an angel. Actually, what do you think about the title of the movie? Did Red, you think about that at all? Like, what does Red Rocket mean? Well, Red Rocket means a dog's penis. Yeah, it's it's kind of like phallic. Yeah. It could also mean, you know, red is also the co- the color of the Republican Party. Amber is the color of my energy. <laughs> Would you shut up with this political no, bullshit? Well, no, I'm just a, clearly you don't. I mean, the last thing you want to do is just accidentally put Trump in your movie. You have to be addressing it because, I mean, he's such a black hole of attention. Like whether you like him or not, he's going to suck the attention out of the fucking room. So I, I don't know. I just think it's important. Red Rocket, four and a half stars. Randy, what'd you give it? I think I gave it a solid four. All right. Oksana? I'd probably go four. See, if you would have liked Simon, y'all would have gave it a half more. No, what? <laughs> we love Simon. Dude, how good was he in that but movie? He's a sociopath. Fucking so. Also, my favorite montage, maybe of the year, is him trying to get a job. That's very good. Dude, like that one guy who was just like loving his videos. He's like, oh, no, we can't hire you. <laughs> Dude, I love, this movie was a trip. Two and a half hours long. And it fucking. Yeah, 2.15. Was it 2.15? Somewhere in there. I mean, my experience was 2.45 with that half hour of trailers before. That's true. Well, I'll tell you right now. It's the same thing at the Alamo. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. All right. And, and, they're, and the, it's all Hollywood movies. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it, so uh, keep this between you and me. But I think Terror Tuesday and Weird Wednesday might be coming back there. Is this what we're supposed to be saying? I don't know. That's why I'm whispering. I don't know what supposed to be <laughs> Oh, man. I, so they don't do the pre-show anymore? Of like... No, the pre-show was there. Okay, but then then there's a half-hour commercial. Yeah, the pre-show was cool because um, they showed, like, you know, this movie takes place in Texas City, Texas, uh-huh. uh, which is outside of Houston. And Thank you for that. I had no idea where the fuck that was. Yeah, it's outside of Houston. Okay. Um, and they showed, like, from the Texas City City Council, they had, like, a short film about the city of texas city mm-hmm. and they played they played that in the theme show in the uh, pre-show and they also played like um old footage of like the found founding the city and they, they, it was, yeah cool stuff they play any porn <laughs> they also played some dirt nasty videos oh rad yeah did they play any of three loco I don't remember. You know Three Loco, right? I've played that for you. Uh, I Can I listen to Three Loco while drinking Four Loco? Oh, my God. Well, it, you know, it's Simon Rex uh, 
um, Andy Milanakis and our boy Riff Raff. By the way, oh, that's the Holy Trinity, right? I there. know, dude. It's fucking East Bay. By the way, uh, Andy Milanakis um, passed he, away. He should have had a cameo in this. Oh, I don't know. If, it would have been distracting. For all of the actor, non actor play, like even with Willem Dafoe in the Florida Project, yeah. not distract. It felt good. Well, Willem Dafoe's a chameleon. That's true. All right. I'm done. All right. Again, if you are a filmmaker, if you know a filmmaker, if you think you know a filmmaker, submit to of 5 And you can do that by going to www.filmfreeway forward slash, I don't know, find us. <laughs> Unnamed Footage Festival 5. Submit your film. You've got just a ball hair from a month away. Let's call it five weeks. Get your affairs in order. We need your submissions. Cool it with the features. We need short films, if we're being very honest here. If you've got a feature, that's cool. Save it for next year, you fuck. We need short films. So, again, you've got five weeks. That gives you four and a half weeks of off time because you can make a found footage movie in like 30 minutes. So send us something <laughs> and we can show it. That was the worst fucking <laughs> Anything else? No. I love you. Randy, take us home from Boise. A lot of talk about the royal family in this episode. If you haven't seen Spencer yet, go see it, you cowards. I'm out. <laughs> God.